welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. And today, we're giving you what you've all been waiting for, begging us for. (laughs) (laughs) The Betty song analysis. Begging. in the love triangle. (laughs) Begging like James to Betty. Y'all have been so ready. Last week, we had to talk about the end of Taylor and Joe. We had to do a little... If we didn't do that last week, you would have been mad at us for not doing that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So we had to get that out of the way and address that, but we're back in action and we're going to talk about Betty. And for those of you who have not listened to our Cardigan episode, stop what you're doing. Turn us off right now. You better not be listening still at this point. You need to go <laughs> back and listen to Cardigan. It's part one of this like literal trilogy that we have planned and we are going to go forward with our betting analysis assuming that you listened to our cardigan analysis so go listen to that it'll be well worth it so for those of you who don't know and i imagine that everybody listening to this podcast does but if you do not know betty was released on folklore in 2020 and betty which originally came out with no context, like the rest of folklore, took the world by surprise in two big things. Number one, it was country, like it was folk Americana country. It's the first time we'd heard anything like that. There's a harmonica at the beginning in a long Mm -hmm. time from Taylor. And second, with no context, this song sounds really queer coded. And we'll get into that in the lyrics. And that's all not resolved, that's the wrong way to put it, but that's all clarified later by Taylor herself. And this song is part of, like Olivia said, the love triangle of Cardigan, August, Betty, yay. And it was written with William Bowery. And for those who don't know who that is, you know, that's not a real person. It's a pen name for none other than Joe Alwyn. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so it was written with Joe Alwyn and produced with Joe and also Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff. And if I remember correctly, it is the only song on the album that is produced by both Jack and Aaron. Interesting. To me, like Jack and Aaron are like, you know, Taylor Swift staples. I didn't realize that they didn't all like co-collaborate. Taylor has talked about the inspiration behind folklore quite a bit, but Betty specifically was inspired by Bob Dylan's albums, The Free Wheelin' Bob Dylan from 1963 and John Wesley Harding from 1967. She specifically cited those as reference points. In the Long Pond Studio sessions on Disney Plus for folklore, Taylor takes the time to kind of describe how she came about these songs that she wrote, all of them except Cardigan for whatever reason. But she did talk about the song Betty. She said, one of my favorite things about this record is that there's this trilogy, Betty, August, and Cardigan. I just heard Joe singing the entire fully formed chorus of Betty from another room, and I was just like, hello. It was a step that we never would have taken. Why would we have ever written a song together? I don't know, Taylor, because you were dating and in love or something. Anyhow. This was the first time that we had a conversation where I came in and I was like, hey, this could be really weird and we could hate this. So could we just, you know, because we're in quarantine and there's nothing else going on, can we just try to see what it's like if we wrote this song together? So he was singing the chorus of it and I was thinking that it sounded really good from a man's voice, from a masculine perspective. And I really liked that it seemed to be an apology. And I've written so many songs from a female perspective of wanting a male apology that we decided to make it from a teenage boy's perspective after he loses the love of his life because he's been foolish. And in the documentary, she's talking with a couple of her collaborators. And one of them says, allegedly, he's been foolish. Like, according to the internet, we don't actually know what happened. And she quickly responds, half interrupting him, saying, no, he's been foolish. We wrote it. I'm confirming it. He's been foolish. (laughs) (laughs) So Taylor spoke a little bit more about inspiration behind why she wrote the song the way that she did with Joe uh, when she was doing her end of the year entertainment weekly, like performer of the year article. And she said that she was inspired to write Betty from a male perspective, inspired by Patty Griffin's Top of the World. She's never gonna fly to the top of the world. 
which was popularized by the chicks in like 2002 or whatever. And that song is from the perspective of a man and it's traditionally sung by women. And so that's apparently how she was inspired. Probably that. And if Joe was like singing the chorus, I mean, he's a guy. So, you know. Before we jump into the lyrics, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters, and we'll loop back with you in a minute. All right. So Taylor starts off with, Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. Betty, one time I was riding on my skateboard when I passed your house. It's like I couldn't breathe. Immediately, James shows how much different he is than Betty because Betty is so eloquent and so grown up and so mature and very, like, on the nose. And here is James in the first stanza contradicting himself. I won't make assumptions, but I think it's because of me. That's an assumption, babes. (laughs) You know, it's okay to make assumptions, but why do you have to press it? preface it that way you know like Betty was also making presumptions throughout her entire song but she wasn't like I'm not gonna make presumptions he has a habit of doing this throughout the song and we'll unpack that as we go through but I mean maturity is very clearly not the strong suit of our character James here which by the way before we forget to mention it James is named after (laughs) Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds kid but so is Betty Yep, and so is Inez, who will be a character later. <laughs> Imagine but... growing up as James, as James Reynolds, and realizing that Taylor Swift painted your character out to be a real douche. Right. <laughs> but I feel like this part also establishes, you know, where chronologically this song is taking place. Like, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but because, but I think it was because of me. Like, it establishes that this takes place after Betty and James have broken up, and therefore after his summer with Augustine. So it's like setting the scene of where exactly we are, where exactly these two characters stand with each other, and him riding past her house and feeling like he couldn't breathe. It's like the guilt of everything that's happening is what catching up to him. And it's a nice little reminder about their age we forget when listening to the really mature cardigan that this is supposed to be a teenage relationship it's supposed to be juvenile why you switched your homeroom yeah and like we we give james a lot of shit for being dumb and we're going to continue to hit this point i'm sure as we go on because like it just repeats itself basically but yeah he's dumb but he is 17 and it's fair to not know how to interact with people in the world quite yet perfectly like 100 percent, because he's still learning and somebody online pointed out that this is the breakdown of the i wish you would track from 1989 quote okay So this is an idea called I Wish You Would. It's kind of about this guy who's like, he's driving down the street at the middle of the night and he passes his ex-girlfriend's house and it's like, he thinks she hates him, but she's still in love with him. Very dramatic. This track is sick. I hope you like it. (laughs) Like, I Wish You Would would be Betty if she was pining after him still. Yeah, probably like teenage Betty fresh off the breakup. You know, Cardigan is written in Betty's perspective 20 years later. Mm -hmm. So the next set of lyrics, the pre-chorus says, you heard the rumors from Inez. You can't believe a word she says most times, but this time it was true. Inez, of course, funnily enough, being Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, a third child who they had not released the name of yet. I know. (laughs) Literally fans were like, oh my God, what if Inez is the name of their baby? (laughs) I think this part is really interesting because... He names Betty, he names Inez, and it's interesting because later he doesn't name Augustine. We never know Augustine's name, and I think him naming Inez specifically in this couple of lines really solidifies that, you know, the song is sung to Betty, you know, he can't disclose anything that he felt for Augustine and imply anything, so he's not going to say her name. The next line says... 
the worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you. And I don't think this line goes a whole lot deeper than genuinely what it is. It's him saying that this is the worst of all of his sins was, I think it's cheating. I know that there's some ambiguity. There are some people who believe that he broke up with Betty to have this summer fling. I read this as he must have cheated on her if it was that bad, but he's at least self-aware. I don't agree, actually. I, I don't see it as cheating. It's like the worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you could just be hurting her by breaking up with her. Like, it doesn't have to be cheating, especially with what we get into in the second verse. But um, I think this is like a, a unique part because it's really the only place where he takes accountability for something that he did. Mm. Like, she heard the rumors from Inez. He didn't tell her that he ran off with Augustine. Inez told her. Yeah. So the chorus, but if I just showed up at your party, would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden? (laughs) I think it's so interesting that at the beginning, it's almost him taking that accountability, like you said, and it's him going to this, like, I'm really sorry. You shouldn't believe the rumors, except for this time. I really fucked up. And then it's like a switch is flipped of but what if I did this what if I forced myself back into your life like it's almost like he won't give up which is ironic to me because he did give up so that he could hook up with somebody else yeah he almost expects her to be mean and abrasive but also him saying like would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden shows his hope for the situation too which is just like I don't know. I guess it's interesting. He has hopes. He has hopes that he can win her back. Uh, Just as like a fun little note, the clean version of this song flows really well with the lyrics, would you tell me to go straight to hell instead of tell me to go fuck myself, which (laughs) Betty would have the right to say either of those things. Yeah. And this part too, like, but if I just showed up at your party, it's, it's very much his daydream you know, likely what he's thinking about when he's riding his skateboard past her house. The chorus wraps with, in the garden, would you trust me if I told you it was just a summer thing? I'm only 17. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. And this part directly reflects the entirety of Cardigan. We have James on one hand saying, I'm only 17. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you don't know anything whereas Betty's entire song from her perspective is I know I know I know I know I knew you I knew this when you were young they assume you know nothing but as we've said a lot in the cardigan episode and I stand by here Betty at 17 is like the apex of maturity for what you can be as a teenager and James is so not and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that you're allowed to be immature and not know what you want at 17 Betty is the enigma here for sure even though this is supposed to be her reflecting on it years down the line I think that Betty at that point was mature enough to understand what was happening and James just wasn't I think he was just a horny kid (laughs) and it's an interesting parallel here too like they both play on the idea of them being young in this situation him saying I'm only 17 as almost like an excuse for not knowing anything which is a reasonable excuse though like you should still try to do better but like I can't be too hard on him he's 17 (laughs) but Betty like in her song Cardigan her her whole theme is when you are young they assume you know nothing but I knew you I knew this I knew that like people think I don't know anything because of my age but I do I knew like I don't know anything because of my age and I knew everything when I was young Mm -hmm. and the him like using I'm only 17 as an excuse to kind of discredits him taking accountability just lines earlier with the worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you but he did it because of his age So we continue on with, Betty, I know where it all went wrong. Your favorite song was playing from the far side of the gym. I was nowhere to be found. I hate the crowds, you know that. Plus, I saw you dance with him. I think that this is a really good example of men just doing the bare minimum or not even hitting the bare minimum. And I'm not like doing this podcast or saying this episode of shit talk men that's not what i'm saying (laughs) i'm saying that i feel like it's such a common trope especially for young men to 
not understand how quickly women will leave if they feel like their needs aren't being met. And what I read from this is that Betty just wanted him to dance with her. He, She just wanted this fun night at this school dance, and he couldn't even give her that because it wasn't his thing. A word to the wise for our 15 to 20% of listenership that is that is male just do what your partner wants within reason. Like, would it have killed James to dance with her at the gym? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, it. those are the types of seeds that are planted in girls' heads that they just keep planting until there's an entire garden full of reasons to break up with someone. <laughs> uh, for me, this whole part, too, solidifies that I don't think he cheated on Betty. That I think he broke up with her and, like, immediately, like, rebounded with Augustine. Because... I think this whole couple, these whole few lines really paint this picture of a young boy who doesn't understand what he's seeing or interacting with. So basically what I'm getting from it is that they're at the school dance. Obviously she wanted to dance with him, but he didn't want to dance and she was putting pressure on him. He didn't want to. So he walked away and somebody came in and did dance with her. And he saw that and was like, Oh, she's romantically interested in him and broke up with her also the way that james immediately makes excuses for himself in this line is so crazy to me especially when we look at betty and cardigan taking accountability for everything all of her feelings and he's like well i hate the crowds you know that it's oh, you this know Im- that. you should know that you know me. everything <laughs> yes, since you know everything and you got your degree <laughs> Like, he immediately makes excuses for his actions. Yeah. I hate to quote him, but he is only 17, and he likely hasn't had someone hold him accountable for his actions yet. And Betty was the first time. I guess so. But he's still dumb. So the pre-chorus happens again. You heard the rumors from Inez. You can't believe a word she says most times, but this time it was true. The worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you. Again... No real change here. Although hearing this exact line repeated, Taylor Swift is a stellar lyricist. She could have changed things up here. Mm -hmm. The decision to not really change things up makes it sound to me like he is verbally pleading over and over again to Betty. And that just might be in my head. That might be me giving more credit to this song or this moment than it necessarily deserves. But it sounds like repeated begging. Like you need to know that this is the worst thing that I ever did. And, you know, we're still in the fantasy aspect of the song. This is his inner monologue. Like, she normally can't believe the words Inez says, but this, unfortunately, this time it's true. The worst thing I ever did was what I did to you. This is, like, his internal monologue before he's, like, come to Betty. This is him trying to figure out what to say to Betty and the thing that he keeps falling back on. And the chorus repeats itself exactly all the way from, but if I showed up at your party, all the way to, but I know I miss you. Yeah. Something that I forgot to say earlier now that we're here, um, I saw a lot of fan discourse that they think that the line, would you trust me if I told you it was just a summer thing? They're like, well, I think it would have been like so much more eloquent and better put if, you know, Taylor had written, if I told you it was just a summer fling. And I disagree. I think just a summer thing is perfect because it's a really immature way of putting what that thing was calling it a fling is like too self-aware for James (laughs) like he is talking to the love of his life that he left because he misunderstood a situation in my head canon he misunderstood a situation and broke up with her (laughs) (laughs) and Augustine was there ready to go because she's probably had a crush on James for forever waiting for him to be single you know (laughs) and him calling it a summer thing it's not even worthy of a name, a romantic sounding name, because he's apologizing to Betty with these words. He has to play down his affair with Augustine as much as physically possible because he's trying to win Betty back. It was just a thing. It didn't matter. I totally agree with you. Thing makes it sound so, so it minor. It really didn't matter. No, fling has like, it evokes the emotion and of, oh, there was romance, there yeah, was sex. It was fun. <laughs> no he Fling can't have fun Thing any... is like discarded yeah. he can't have any good vibes about that he can't plant that in betty's head i totally agree with you yeah so we go into the bridge 
I was walking home on broken cobblestones, just thinking of you when she pulled up like a figment of my worst intentions. This, oh, now it's getting fun. This bitch. <laughs> just okay. ugh, immediate excuses. Immediate. <laughs> broken cobblestones is too obvious. It's a clear reference to Cardigan. High yeah. heels on cobblestones. And here too, like, um, I was driving home a point in the cardigan episode about how I felt like the cobblestones represented Betty and James's relationship. Betty walks in high heels on cobblestones. You know, she's walking in dangerous shoes on an uneven ground because their relationship is uneven and unstable because clearly he misinterpreted a situation so easily, like a stable relationship that isn't affected by a platonic school dance that happens you know and in this part I was walking home on broken cobblestones the relationship is broken in his eyes also and I didn't I didn't know this until looking this song up the lyric of August pulling up a figment of my worst intentions and the next line is she said James get in let's drive happens at the exact same time stamp in that song uh, is in August the lyrics remember when I pulled up and said get in the car and then they both happen at two minutes and 47 seconds I literally got chills <laughs> oh work of art Taylor Swift <laughs> that's who like I swear I'm not being dramatic I got chills <laughs> Happened at the exact same time in the song. And the way that she takes the line of a figment of my worst intentions instead of a figment of my imagination, which is what is usually the line, it's very intentional, if you will, of saying that this was James's like worst impulses. He was acting on his worst impulses and then immediately redirects it, switches to the guilt on August, Augustine. Immediately going into she said, James, get in, let's drive. Even if that's true, it's like he admits guilt for a second and is like, my worst intentions. But she said, she mm -hmm. tempted, tempted me. me. <laughs> Bingo. And you were dancing with him. What was I supposed to do? I was walking home on broken cobblestones. I don't know. It's just like, it reminds me a lot of my like first official boyfriend in high school he broke up with me over dumb shit that he assumed happened that didn't happen and purposely turned around and did things to hurt me like he purposely turned around and talked to this girl that I was insecure about when we were dating to hurt me like I hurt him apparently because he assumed something that I didn't do so that's the vibes I'm getting here so that's probably why I'm so defensive I don't think James necessarily cheated on her is because it just it makes me think of that situation a lot I'm going to give a counterpoint here of why I think it was cheating, even though I, this is my headcanon that probably isn't correct. Everybody probably has a different idea, but I hear I was walking home on broken cobblestones. I imagine this kid walking home from a dance, like just downtrodden. It's prom or something. So it's the end of the school year and she pulls up like leaving prom. And I can't wait to get into this one talking about August, but she's like, Hey, are you okay? Cause he's like being a little crybaby boy. Cause Betty dances with someone else. And he's like, no, I had a rough night. And she's like, why don't you get in the car? And that's how it all began. And maybe he broke up with Betty after he already did some naughty, naughty with August. But I hear like he's walking home depressed post dance. And that's where August they finds him. have fought and broken up at dance though too. Like, my God. you know, because like, I guess the way I interpret this too, like, especially when we finish up, you know, the, this bridge with those dates, she said, James, get in, let's drive. Those days turned into nights, slept next to her, but I dreamt of you all summer long. He didn't have Betty during this whole summer thing, you know? So, like, at the beginning, turned into nights, slept next to August. But he dreamt of Betty all summer long. Like, at what point did he break up with Betty? What point did they actually end? It is a little open-ended. Maybe Betty, like, went and did a summer internship or something. <laughs> I don't remember those lyrics, but <laughs> I I think I would have to up my therapy sessions if a guy said about me, I slept to you, but I dreamt of her all summer long. I, mm -mm. But it doesn't matter because, you know, Betty's the love of his life. Augustine didn't have any, like, power in this situation whatsoever. We'll get into more of, like, 
James's relationship with Augustine when we get to her perspective, but I think he genuinely cared about her way more than he lets on in this song because this song is to Betty. She can't know anything of what he felt for Augustine. God, like, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm such an August defender. I'm an August apologist. Too, because I identify with her way more than I do Betty. So like. <laughs> Same. I never had any like young loves like Betty had. I'm aware that when I was young, I knew fucking nothing. Uh, they assumed that I knew nothing because I didn't. <laughs> I'm 17. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> like, I am such an August defender. And I know you are too. And I cannot, I'm going to be so passionate when I get into August. I know. But whatever. But I think I'm also like slightly defensive of James and his intentions because like me having identified with August and like been in situations with a James character who had a Betty that wasn't me. The way that I've healed from that situation is I know what you know, we had between us, regardless of what he had to tell her to make it better. Like, it was rare I was there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it just comes from immaturity, insecurity. Like, basically, these boys need therapy out here and need to learn how to interact with people and just be honest to the Bettys in their lives. Blurred. And honest to the Augusts as well, because I feel like there's this misunderstanding that girls aren't also down for flings. Now, August in this scenario, we'll know more once we go through her song, but I feel like we can safely assume that she had real feelings. There is no shortage of girls out there who just want a summer thing. So don't lead them on. Don't lie. You can have a sexy, fun summer with somebody who also wants a sexy, fun summer. Yeah, I guess like my head canon though, he wasn't like exactly looking for a sexy fun summer. No, he was, he was looking, looking for like love and companionship. And August was a really good distraction, but and like he he likely really liked her, but he was she was nothing compared to Betty. As soon as Betty re-entered come school term, game over. So verse three says, Betty, I'm here on your doorstep, and I planned it out for weeks now, but it's finally sinking in. I think this is just painting the exact story of James standing on her doorstep begging for her to come back because we know that it is because it directly parallels the lyric from Cardigan you'd be standing in my front porch light I knew you'd come back to me you'd come back to me yeah and I think the lead up to this point is him planning it out for weeks Mm -hmm. like this is the build-up he rode by on his skateboard to see if she was home also this interestingly echoes the line from how you get the girl stand there like a ghost shaking from the rain she'll open up the door and say are you insane she'll open up the door and say are you insane i can't believe taylor has never like addressed this i think you know we talked about this before she has these things that she carries through her music romanticized romanticizations is what I'm trying to say I don't think that's a word but that's what I'm trying she, to say yeah she romanticizes these really specific scenarios and I think she yeah. loves the idea of somebody pulling a John Hughes movie and coming up to her window with a boombox like she the likes, other side of the door yeah, yeah. she likes that in theory that's and so romantic gestures mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if that's what would win her back in real life that must be what would win fictional Betty back Especially if she identifies with Betty, which I feel like in a lot of ways she does. I think she identifies with Betty and Augustine, but in this scenario, Betty. And then she continues on with, Betty, right now is the last time I can dream about what happens when you see my face again. The only thing I want to do is make it up to you. What I hear in this moment is like this is he's standing on the porch it's right before he knocks he's got this fantasy about how this is gonna play out he's gonna knock on the door she's gonna open it she's gonna take him back and that's this is the last moment that he can just picture it and imagine what's gonna happen next imagine it the way he exactly wants it the way he wants it to go because as soon as he knocks on that door he has no control over what happens next or very yeah. little control and i think it shows a lot of anxiety too and I also cue more Taylor Swift lyrics. This is me swallowing my pride, standing in front of you, saying I'm sorry for no, that And I go back to August. <laughs> oh my God, not I go back to August. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, the the month, Turns the out month, babe. Him ain't nothing but missing you. I'm going back to the it's month, babe. Not the woman. Last. Not the woman. The pre-chorus. The only thing I want to do is make it up to you. So I showed up at your party. Yeah, I showed up at your party. And then it goes into the chorus, which we'll get into. I guess I can't. I can't just say the pre-chorus without saying the chorus because it all goes together. Yeah, you gotta read it all together. Repetition. Yeah, I showed up at your party. Will you have me? Will you love me? Will you kiss me on the porch in front of all your stupid friends? The line. Will you kiss me on the porch in front of all your stupid friends? Always rubbed me wrong because it's very like, why are you calling her friends stupid? That's rude. Mm -hmm. But I saw something online that made me think about it differently for the very first time which is interesting because this has been out for three years and I've thought about it the same way for three years. Same. You know, I'm sure in this situation, all of her friends are like, yeah, don't give him the time of day. So for him, it is them versus him in terms of like influencing Betty in this situation. I didn't really think about it like that before. I hadn't thought about that either. I also, when I've tried to defend James when listening to it, I hear the, your stupid friends. And when I try to push aside the, he's being a dick thing, I hear your friends don't matter. The chick I was hooking up with during the summer doesn't matter. What matters is you and me. We matter. We matter. That's mm-hmm. how I always heard it. But I think I like take more. But I think that this might literally be being like, yeah, I did. I showed up at your party. Like, that's the door he's knocking on. Which is, like, interesting, too, because if they're in high school, this is a high school party that Betty is throwing. Betty, mature Betty of all people, you know? I mean, or is this a couple <laughs> years later in college? Have you seen 10 Things I Hate About You? No. Okay, there's this scene uh, right before they throw a rager party where a guy is throwing a quote-unquote party, but it's, like, people who are wearing polos and somebody shows up with, like, a plate of brie cheese. Like, maybe the party is a mature... A nerdy party. A nerdy party! Or maybe it's in college a couple years later, but I... I mean, who knows? Because, like, in high school, my friend group would have parties, quote-unquote, and literally, like, I never drank in high school. We just would have a Halloween party and eat Krabby Patties. I think the reason that I wouldn't think it's in college, and maybe this is just because I respect Betty enough and don't really want her to end up with James canonically, but we'll get into that in a minute. (laughs) I can't imagine going to college and meeting all these new people and having all these new experiences and still deciding that you wanted to go back to James. Okay. College fundamentally changes you. It changed me at least. So I think that the only way she can stay with James is if she's not away from him for too long. Not that high school sweethearts don't exist. I know some of them, but they're usually not the ones who have issues this early on in life. The ones that I know, at least. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard when the issues are happening when you're literal children. Yeah, I guess. Because you know, like in, in the option that they ended up together wow I'm really sounding like I really am defending James but it's just like (laughs) the image in my like I'm defending my head canon not James specifically you know you do sound like a James apologist (laughs) it's just like I don't know I don't blame my 17 year old high school boyfriend the dumb shit he did when we were teenagers anymore because I can recognize that he was a kid and didn't know shit you know he he didn't know how to interact with people he didn't know how to process his hurt feelings and not hurt others because I was the same way I didn't know how to process my hurt feelings and not purposely hurt his feelings either well true but you didn't stay with him yeah I guess but it took me three years to not (laughs) fair enough and by the time we broke up like our issues when we were teenagers weren't the reasons why we were breaking up This course continues with, if you kiss me, will it be just like I dreamed it? Will it patch your broken wings? I'm only 17. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. I feel like the will it patch your broken wings sounds really arrogant. Until (laughs) you really listen to Cardigan and hear how she described James healing her. You drew stars around my scars. Like, I don't think this is necessarily him coming up with these words necessarily i'm sure she expressed how much like she loved that you know he's helped her to heal from x y and z but patch your broken wings is way too eloquent compared to the rest of the song 
I like that take. Yeah, that seems really out of place. It doesn't seem like something that James in this tale would have come up with. I still hear it as being arrogant, I guess. I feel like he thinks quite a bit of himself, but... I think Betty gave him that power to think highly of himself when it comes to Betty. I think so, too. I think that Betty does not have enough belief in herself to fix her problems. Again, no man is an island. You need other people in order to heal, and that's completely true. But in the same token, other people are not medicine. They Mm. are people. James can't fix you any more than... I guess you could fix yourself. You just don't know that when you're a kid, even if you know everything, Betty. Yeah. And I feel like her codependency on him to fix her and intrinsically deep issues with trusting men and trusting people because of her daddy issues is why it does make sense to me that she would stay with him forever. The outro, standing in your cardigan, kissing in my car again, stopped at a streetlight. You know, I miss you. It's probably my favorite part of the whole song. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way Cardigan flows just like Cardigan. <laughs> it is very satisfying with the guitar. The anyway, mm-hmm. uh, if you were listening to this album and you didn't know that there was a love triangle, you would know that these two songs tie together now for sure. Because standing in your Cardigan, obvious reference. Good word. Yeah, exactly. And then she sings the lyrics to kiss in cars and downtown bars and drunk under a street light. Like, it's mm-hmm. direct tie here. There's really not a whole it's lot a of... flash of memories happening again, but like from a slightly different perspective. And, and he sounds happy. Like, yeah. this part of the song sounds like he got what he wanted. Like, yeah. the hero prevails. <laughs> That's what it... It sounds that way. And these... This stanza, this end of the song, this optimistic ending is intended to evoke that feeling in the listener of he gets what he wants, fist bump to the air, I got my girl back. And it ends with that like fairy tale comeback and almost this aspirational feeling that you only really see in young people. It's like the end of those teenage rom-coms where like the two love interests are having issues 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 and they finally get together and they're literally riding off into the sunset driving to college together i'm thinking a cinderella story you know i yeah i (laughs) saw a critic's response saying that this song the end of it is a subtle reminder that maybe just maybe we can fix it against all odds maybe we can fix it all and it's just you know when you're a kid you've got all these ideas and you know 17's a kid about how great things can be and how easy it is to fix things and that's usually just not the case however as we have wrapped up the song it's important to note that in taylor's headcanon and she wrote it james and betty ended up together i want to say something controversial right now though (laughs) here we go here we go it makes so much fucking sense that Joe Alwyn had anything to do with writing James's perspective if, and I mean if, the cheating rumors are true. I don't know the cheating rumors. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, alright. Busy like... weekend, okay? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this is like a... I We're not like a gossipy tea podcast, so take everything we say with a grain of salt. Uh, just think like Dumois, think pretty credible blind items uh, for the grand most part, but again, they're blind items that in early stages of Taylor and Joe being together, that he had emotionally cheated with his ex-girlfriend. And those blinds came out years ago and they were buried pretty quickly, probably because Tree Payne is good at doing her job. Tree Payne, of course, being her publicist, but also possibly because they weren't true. They're blind items. You never really know, even if it's a good source like Page Six or Dumois. But Those resurfaced during the breakup for obvious reasons. Whether they're true or not, we don't know. That's uh, We're not investigative journalists. We're podcasters for funsies, okay? Um, But I was thinking about Betty, and I was like, wait a a minute. Wait a minute. If in her headcanon, James and Betty ended up together again 20 years later when so many fans are like, there's no way. I wouldn't believe that Taylor would do that to them. It would make sense if she planned on them being together 20 years later if things started out really rocky if her real life relationship also did. I know that's kind of like, why was he just playing the chorus by himself? Yeah. Like, again, again, 
We're not a tea podcast. I'm not here to spread shit. We're I not don't saying wanna... this is real. We're no, saying... I'm not <laughs> trying to get a cease and desist. <laughs> I'm not trying to get a cease and desist. But I will say that if, in this hypothetical scenario, her relationship started off rocky, potentially with, you know, just a dash of cheating as a treat. Even if it wasn't, like, official, like, her and Joe went together officially, but they were, like, maybe we should be a little more than friends with benefits, but, like, weren't exclusive. Like, that weird gray beginning point when, like, no one wants to talk about being exclusive, but, like, you know, you're exclusive because you're in, like, you're deep in it. Like, there there are ways that that can play out that it isn't, like, explicit cheating, too. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. But no. it would answer some questions because pretty much when Taylor said that they ended up together, everyone was like, what the fuck? They ended up together? That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like something Taylor would do. That doesn't sound realistic. But she seems pretty defensive of that relationship that started off rocky with potentially some cheating, potentially some breaking it off, uh, and then getting back together. I don't know. Anyway, just a thought, just a saucy little thought from Danny. Yeah, especially, um, I mean, I, I read this quote off in the beginning of Cardigan, the Cardigan episode that we put out. But Taylor literally said verbatim, in my head, I think Betty and James ended up together, but he really put her through it as if like that was in the past. <laughs> And I think it's, you know, kind of feeds that hope that even when someone you love really deeply hurts you, there's hope for them to see the error in what they did and want to change it. Yeah. But it's just, it's also interesting, though, that, like, the James perspective we get cuts off at that part that would give us the answers. Like, did he actually change? Did they actually have a productive conversation about everything? And he was like, yeah, you're right. I was avoiding responsibility for my actions several times in my song for you like (laughs) in my head there's like two ways that this could go one of two ways that this could go number one is that they end up in a mediocre relationship for the rest of their lives I feel like I've seen this personally like firsthand a lot of couples where one person is really emotionally mature and really there and the other person doesn't have to be because their partner is and so it's a really unsatisfactory relationship for pretty much the both of them forever or he grows up because he has Betty's influence and here we are 20 years later and they're a very happy relationship where they can talk about it and be like that was crazy in our youth right like so much so happy that we learned however my girl August, I hope that August became a freaking movie star. Ugh, sorry, I will wait until we break down August. But <laughs> I hope that she had the best future of all three of them. Anyway, I'm sure she did. <laughs> I hope that August and Betty actually ended up together. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're gonna, we'll break it down next week. Not next week. Whenever we do it. But a couple weeks. Sad. Sorry. well critics loved this song too it didn't get the love that cardigan got but cardigan was also a single so of course it's going to get a little bit more love but people absolutely loved how intricate and vivid the lyrics were didn't you tell me one time that this was a hit on country radio yes yes (laughs) betty was released on country radio and to make it even better what was released uh august 8th 2020 to country radio and it ended up released in august yeah, ironically. <laughs> anyway, uh, she performed Betty at the 55th Academy of Country Music Awards uh, at the Grand Ole Opry in September of that same year. And it's her first performance at a country music show in seven years. It's wild. All young Taylor wanted was to be a country music star. Betty. Betty brought her back. She ended up auctioning off the guitar that she played during that performance with her signature on it for uh, the Academy of Country Music's COVID-19 relief fund as well. But, you know, critics really liked it. They found it to be captivating. They found the melody to be really catchy. And one of my favorite reviews of this song is Ellen Johnson of Paste saying that it was one of the best country songs of 2020, which is just so funny to me. But saying that Taylor Swift's (laughs) empathy, quote, truly knows no bounds. And I think that that plays right into Olivia's feeling this entire episode, which is defending (laughs) something that seems indefensible. James. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to be very clear. I don't think what James did was good, whether or not it was cheating, like, obviously. And I don't think his whole apology song is good. His whole apology song is kind of trash. But, like, you need to take into account that he's a fucking idiot. (laughs) He's an idiot with probably good intentions, but can't, like, 
foresee more than one foot in front of him. So an August was in front of him. That's all he saw in that moment. He wasn't thinking and processing and like, you know, considering how it would make Betty feel later. Mm-hmm. He just was trying to do what, you know, what felt good for him in the moment, which you should do. But you, as you grow, you learn you need to consider other people's feelings that you care about. Agreed. To cap off the conversation about seeing this song in a queer context, Taylor Swift did not comment until a couple weeks after this album came out that James was the perspective of a 17-year-old boy, particularly because James Reynolds is a girl. Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' kid, James, is a daughter. And so there wasn't really any commentary on it, but Aaron Dessner was asked about that, and he responded, quote, I can't speak to what it's about. I have my own ideas. I also know where Taylor's heart is, and I think that's great anytime a song takes on a greater meaning for anyone. So yeah, she kind of just put it out there, and it was like a song in Taylor's literal voice that we were listening to that was singing romantically to a woman. I remember texting my roommate, Rebecca, like right after I heard Betty the first time and I said um like a homoerotic cottage core what's happening <laughs> country cottage core so if this song takes on a more personal meaning for you or a greater meaning for you in any way shape or form as with all of her music good that is what it is intended to do yep she wants all of us to identify with her music no matter what that means for us something Rebecca did say before we jumped on And again, if you didn't listen to the episode where my roommate Rebecca was featured, she's pretty good about saying succinct, concise statements that make sense. But (laughs) something that she said was that the art of Taylor Swift's music comes in a lot of forms, but something so special is that her lyrics are somehow so specific that it feels like Taylor is painting an experience that you alone have felt and no one else, and yet so vague that everybody feels that way. Yeah, and it makes you feel so passionately that because of your experiences and you're relating to this song so hard that Taylor must have experienced that too. Exactly. So we, we, I think we project a lot of our life onto Taylor Swift and me and Danny are guilty as fuck for that too. So that we're basically trying to get the point that there's no right or wrong way to interpret any of these songs. Exactly. What'd you Taylor learn this week? I learned that you tailored. Tailored. <laughs> That this is the only song on folklore that both Jack and Aaron collaborated with Taylor on. I would have assumed it was more. I learned that Taylor sold the or auctioned off her guitar from performing Betty Live to raise money for COVID-19 relief funds. That is so on brand. Yeah, I don't know that either. Very on brand. When she donates and like stuff like that, she always like does it on the low. The DL, yeah. if you will. Somebody in Kansas City tweeted back at our mayor, our mayor, Mayor Q in Kansas City for our Kansas City listeners. Mayor Q tweeted saying, like, what should Kansas City do to welcome Taylor Swift when she comes in town? And a guy responded, we should reserve making or giving people special treatment if they actually help our community. And so I responded and I was like, um, Taylor Swift has donated to every single community that she has performed in so far. No reason to believe she won't in Kansas City. And that guy blocked me. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. (laughs) And I was like, all right, well, you're just a hater. So now I got to message our mayor again and be like, hey, man, I've got a lot of ideas for how to welcome her. Actually, message the mayor. You want to get coffee? (laughs) Danny has like her fingers on the pulse of Taylor Swift weekend in KC. (laughs) I do. We've got some special stuff planned coming up for those who are coming to the Kansas City show. Just (laughs) just stay tuned because we're going to have some stuff planned. Tay Learning X surprise stuff here. Learning meetup, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) but just get your trivia questions and answers ready that's what i'll say little easter egg action (laughs) we're not as eloquent as taylor swift okay we're not but that's our tailoring easter egg um (laughs) what are we talking about next week next week we're gonna do kind of more chill episode a little more fun opinion based episode we're gonna do all about the album closers we did and all about the album openers very 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 early on i think literally like our third episode ever it was so so much fun we got super good reviews on it from all of our friends that listened because we weren't very big then we were just 
our close friends were listening and they're like give us all about the album closers and we're like you're the only ones asking for it <laughs> <laughs> but we're finally gonna do it because i think it would be so fun I loved recording all about the album openers. It's actually, yeah. to this day, one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. Yeah. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I remember having so much fun talking about it. So I'm excited to do all about the album yeah. closers. So if you haven't listened to it, which I know a lot of you haven't, because I see the plays on it, <laughs> go listen to it. It was a lot of fun. It's just really opinion-based and you know, share your opinions about it with us in anticipation for next week. Also, I hope that you can hear how far we've come since starting this podcast, because I'll go back and listen. I'll go back and listen to, like, the master's controversy, and I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Awkward. Wow. So awkward. (laughs) So we we were, like, sharing a mic in the same room. Literally, yes. Um, Lots of, wait, is this information correct? And I wasn't editing at that point. Yeah, we we were editing because we didn't even think that that was a thing. And so we just thought we had 30 minutes go and we were just like we would like stop and restart (laughs) (laughs) we have come so far I think personally so go listen to all about the album openers just so that when you listen to all about the album closers you can be like oh damn they were not lying (laughs) (laughs) you can always tell us what you do want to hear if all about the album closers isn't your vibe and you all did this week you really wanted us to get back on talking about the folklore love triangle but please comment to august we gotta build that anticipation you know yes we did now that we know you want it we gotta make you wait for it especially it's like we're but... waiting for speak now tv <laughs> <laughs> if you comment on our instagram we're gonna at least like it we're most likely gonna respond dm us on instagram shoot us an email taylearningpodcast at gmail.com and our social media handle is taylearningpodcast on tiktok and instagram yeah you can find us if you google taylearning you're gonna see a google thing pop up saying a taylor taylor a taylor's a podcast that's so so bonkers so we just love this community. Please keep sharing us with your friends. We keep hearing, having people tell us that yes, their friends sent this to them. That's awesome. Keep sharing it. The more people that listen, the better the content can be. And mm-hmm. there won't be late episodes as often anymore because we can actually. If you hold us accountable, we will be on track. <laughs> yes, we will. And we'll tell us that you're waiting do... for it. And we're going to be like, shit, we do need to post on Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be able to do those giveaways that we have been teasing for months. So. Oh, yeah. We do have stuff prepared for a giveaway. That is true. Anyway, um, thanks for being here. We appreciate <laughs> you. Love you. XOXO. But if I just showed up at your party, would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself? Or lead me to the garden? In the garden, would you trust me if I told you it was just a summer thing? I'm only 17. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. This is the last time I'm asking you this. <laughs> All these poor people that were like foaming at the mouth for this episode. <laughs> and that's the best I could do. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't even continue. I'm just laughing too much. Because <laughs> I. Just... Okay.